We were all designed to be in the presence of God, yet we run from Him, as if the Creator of sight cannot see us hidden away. Somehow in our humanity we find God boring. We fear His judgment. We misplace our anger and blame Him for our decisions. When we surrender to Him, our passion burns. He gives rest to our souls, assurance to our doubts, and transformation to our lives. He changes our priorities, fills our emptiness, and wraps His love around us. And when we yearn for His presence, we find all that we have ever needed. Isn't God good today? Isn't He good every day? Praise God. You know, we started this new series today called Yearn, and, you know, we've been kind of just the last month, we've been talking about getting closer to God and, and God to enlarge our hearts, and, and God has done a great work in many of people that I'm talking to right now, and I know, especially for myself, to testify that God has kind of restored joy in, in me, uh, actually not kind of, He has restored joy in my heart, and I am just uh, so fired up. I was talking to my wife last week. We were driving down the road, and, and I told her, I said, um, I said, I don't want this, I don't want this, I want this moment to, to end. I, I wanted to stay in His presence, and, uh, you know, and I know that through life, sometimes we have the ups and downs, right? And we go in and out of sometimes of things, but, you know, God is, God can be our God on the mountain, and God can be our God in the valley. Amen? So if, if, if this, but the whole important thing is just staying in His presence, pursuing His presence, practicing His presence. Now, I know a lot of you guys yearn for different things. Uh, how many of you guys ever yearn for a vacation? <laughs> Absolutely. Michael was the first one to raise his hand. He's going on a vacation this coming week. And uh, it's actually kind of cool because uh, his wife, is, they, they, they booked a flight. He doesn't know where he's going. She's, this is a surprise trip. So we don't know where you're going to end up, brother. I mean, you know. But anyway, we know that you're going to have fun, right? We know you're going to have fun. And, but it's cool. I, I, love, I like going on vacation. You went on a cruise not too long ago. So you actually didn't want to come back, did you? All right. No, <laughs> you, you sort of did, but you were enjoying it, right? But we all yearn for something. Sometimes we yearn for vacations. Uh, sometimes we, we yearn for, uh, um, you know, to see uh, people that we haven't seen in a while. You know, maybe some a friend or whatever. Sometimes we yearn for an event. Maybe there was a special event in our life that happened a while ago, and we like, man, I would like to have that experience again, right? Um, maybe some of us we yearn for food, right? We we're like, man, I, I you ever you ever had one of those moments where you're like, man, I just want that particular dish from that restaurant that you love going to, right? Like you crave for it, right? Uh, I don't know about you guys. You guys ever been to a place called? Um, uh, Rosa's. It's, a, it's an Italian restaurant in Prescott. You ever been there? You need to go there because if you like lasagna, your tongue will just slap your face. It's so good. I'm telling you what. It is delicious, man. So now just talking about it, we may have to figure out how to get there today. Okay. But anyway, but we yearn, we yearn for things. Well, my question to you is, as we're starting this series, what do you yearn for? Are, do you yearn for God? Do you yearn for God? Have you yearned for God in the past? Do you passionately desire Him? What is your intimate experience with God right now? Did you walk into this place this morning with an expectation to actually meet with God? Now, I don't know what your past religious experiences have been. 
But I'll just tell you, just to confess me and also my wife, I'll, you know, this, uh, I know the Bible says confess your own faults, but I'll confess hers too. But anyway, no, it's not a fault. But this is, this, is who we, this is who we are or actually who we were. This is what we came out of. So uh, she and I had two different experiences when it comes to, to God. So she grew up with, uh, let's use the word, a word that starts with why. Her idea of God was yikes. She, she was, you know, she was presented with uh, the scary God. You can't please this God. He's a cruel taskmaster. That's her experience from her past. Mine was yawn because, then, you know, what I experienced was pretty boring. I felt worship was absolutely boring. It was a drag. And so my idea of God was yawn. It was just like this is mundane. So, you know, we have these two different experiences, and, and maybe for some of you, maybe that's was your past. Maybe up until this moment right now as you walked in the doors, maybe that has been your experience now. And people come from all different types of experiences. Maybe you have one or the other, or maybe you've experienced both of those things. And what happens with most people is when they experience either the yawn or the yikes, what happens is they're typically they're either people will leave the church because they can't please God, you know, He's such a cruel taskmaster, or they, they, uh, if they're already a follower of Jesus, if, 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 if uh, all they know is this mundane or boringness or, or what's been presented to them, they're like, you know, I don't really want that. And so, in a sense, they leave their first love. You guys with me so far? All right? And what happens is, is we, again, we can end up fading and kind of exiting, so to speak, the fellowship. Now, we've got all types of earthly relationships, and many of us could probably in this room, we could say, you know, we had somebody that we used to date, or maybe had someone that we used to be married to. We could talk about past relationships, relationships that fail, relationships that didn't work. And our relationships that fade and exit, sometimes what happens, the reason why is because they've become monotonous. Say, we, you know, you heard people say, well, I, we fell out of love, right? You hear that a lot. We just fell out of love. We didn't love any, each other anymore. The, the newness wears off. The, the butterflies that we used to have in our stomach, the butterflies have flown away and they're not there anymore. And if we actually get really honest, we can actually say, you know, um, that we had a lot to do with it. Maybe we're the one that got bored. Maybe we're the one that sought fulfillment elsewhere. Maybe we quit pursuing, in a sense, our earthly soulmate. And if we take that and we transfer for that to, say, spiritual things, the most important relationship that we have is our eternal love relationship with God. You guys agree with that? That is the most important relationship. But what happens to most of us is we end up neglecting that. This eternal relationship that we've been given with the Heavenly Father, a lot of times we end up neglecting that. Now, sometimes what happens is we just go through the motions. We'll maybe, you know, many of you have a daily devotion, and that's awesome. But you can have a daily devotion and not connect with God. You know, it can just become mundane. It can become ritualistic. Prayers can be canned. You know, you can do a devotion and say the same prayer that you said the last five days in a row. And so that can happen. Our fellowship becomes a yawn instead of a yearn. It becomes lethargic, disconnected, and unsatisfying. I was actually looking up this week, I thought, from a physical standpoint, I thought, why do we yawn? You guys, you know... Some of you, you know, we, we yawn, right, a lot, and, I, and so I wanted to look it up, and I, I mean, I'm not a medical health guy, so I looked it up, and I said, you know, why do we yawn, and I Googled it, and, and it gave you all these reasons, but one of the main reasons why we yawn is because of a lack of oxygen. So, like, if you're bent over at your desk, you, you yawn a lot, you guys ever do that at work, you're like, why am I so tired, because we've been over at desk, or maybe we're holding our breath because we're so stressed or so tense. 
And if you think about it from a, physical, uh, from a spiritual standpoint, why do we yawn on God? Because we lack spiritual oxygen in our life that is giving that fresh breath with God. Friends, I don't know about you. I want a fresh breath from God every moment. I want to experience that fresh breath of God, that spiritual breath into my soul, not just my lungs. Now, if we're going to yearn for God, we got to understand something about worship. Worship is not an event. I know we come here this morning, and, and it's awesome, and right now you're like, man, I'm so full of the Spirit right now. That's awesome. Worship is not an event. Worship is an actually ongoing experience. It's being in the presence of God and lavishing our affection and our praise on the Creator and the Savior. Amen. It's an, it's an ongoing, it's like oxygen for our souls, for our hearts. Some of you guys have heard of a guy named King David, right? King David, a uh, very popular man in, in the Old Testament. And the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. He yearned for God. What does that mean, a, God, a, a man after God's own heart? This, it means that this is a man who chased after God's heart. He chased for God's heart. He yearned from him. David was crazy about God. There was a time, there was one time when they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant back from the Philistines and they were bringing it to Jerusalem, and David was dancing like a crazy man in the streets. That his wife got so upset that he was dancing for God. He loved God. He yearned for God. A lot of the Psalms that, uh, that we see in the book of Psalms, the 150 Psalms, over half of those are written by David. They were words of, of affection and words uh, of love toward God. He would share his grief, but he would then also share his gratitude and share about the generosity of God and the greatness of God and the glory of God. He was so passionate. These are poems that he wrote and, and prayers that he wrote and, and, and songs that he wrote because he learned for God. Today, we're going to be looking at a psalm, Psalm 63. In fact, in all this series, we're going to be looking at three, three psalms. It's a three-week series, and they're all psalms of David. But Psalm 63, verse 1, is where we're going to start. And, and Mike, thank you for sharing that already. He's already shared that in, in, in when he gave the Lord's Supper. But here's what it says. He said, again, O God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul does what? It thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He says, God, I can't get enough of you. I cannot get enough of you. I, I hunger and thirst for you all the time. And God, I feel like that I'm in this wilderness, this wilderness. And God, I just can't get enough of you. Have you ever noticed that out here in Arizona? That you just seem like you just can't drink enough water? Like, I'm so thirsty right now, like physically, maybe because I'm talking a million miles a minute, but I'm just, thir I mean, I'm thirsty all the time. I'm, I'm drinking water constantly. But you know, when we get into a spiritual wilderness, into a spiritual desert, especially, we get thirsty. And it seems like that there's nothing on the earth that, that can quench the thirst that we have spiritually. Now, I took a, learned a big lesson my very first summer here in Arizona. So, you know, uh, that was 2015, uh, you know, first summer here. And I like hot weather, and, uh, you know, but Arizona's on a different level, right? Okay. And, and so I, I noticed I was going to QT a lot, right? And I was, I mean, constantly going, you know, getting the, you know, the little soda machine. And, and I found myself, man, just trying to quench my thirst with soda. 
So I'd get one, and then, you know, and it was okay in the beginning because, you know, it's like, man, I got my, my tongue wet and, and all that. But then I realized that, you know, it was the sugar and the salt, the sodium that was in the drink. What does it do? Cause you, yeah, cause you to be thirsty, er, right? And so, you know, what, what, but I had to learn a little hard way because that's how I am. So what did I do? Go get another Coke. And then I'm thirsty still. I'm like, man, I just, maybe I just don't have enough in me. So I go get another one. So I'm drinking three and four and five Cokes a day, and I'm still thirsty, right? And so what was going on is I was experiencing, in a sense, a dehydration. You guys with me? We have a tendency to drink from the world. And we try to quench our thirsty souls with that just like soda, and we find ourselves thirstier than we were before. Many of you have heard the story uh, of, in John 4 of the, of the woman at the well. Who's, who's, who's heard of that story? You've read that story, okay. Well, there's this woman, and uh, she would come to Jacob's well once a day, and she would come to get water, and she would take it back home. She came during a certain part of the day so that nobody would see her because she was ashamed of her lifestyle. And so this woman would come for the earthly dose uh, of water, and there when she showed up this one time, Jesus just so happens to be there. He had sent His disciples off, uh, and uh, He's there in a sense by Himself without them, and then she shows up, and Jesus confronts her about her spiritual dehydration, not just her physical need for water, but her spiritual dehydration. You see, this is a woman who was living with and fornicating with a man. In fact, she had five other men before that and done the same thing. And so here she is coming for physical water, but Jesus is going to expose that she has spiritual dehydration. So he says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst again. And she said, sir, give me some of that water. That's what I need. You see, up to that point, she had spent her entire life seeking fulfillment in empty relationships. She sought intimacy by multiple partners. She sought security by seeking men to protect and provide for her. She sought her identity by being able to say that I am his wife or his wife. That's what her MO was. She always thought she had to have a man around who could provide resources, but the thing about it was they could provide the resources, but they could not provide the true love that she needed in her heart. Her soul was parched. Her flesh yearned for relationship, and she could never fully ever get satisfied until Jesus came along and said, hey, I got the solution for your soul. I have what will take care of that dehydration. I can quench that thirst. And friends, I want you to hear this. When you drink from Christ, He fully satisfies you. We just sang that song. He is more than enough for all we want and all that we need. Amen. He satisfies us. Now, David had come to the same conclusion in verse 2 through 5. Listen to this. He says, Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you. 
So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. (laughs) David says, hey, God, I come to worship you in your sanctuary. I yearn, I yearn to meet with you. I yearn to see you in this place. I yearn to hear your voice. I yearn to witness your supernatural work, oh God. I yearn to see your beauty and I yearn to see your glory, oh God. I want a fresh encounter with you. Let me ask you something. Have you had a fresh encounter with God this week? Do you yearn for that? When you came into the sanctuary this morning, did you, did you, did, did you come with that anticipation? God, I want to see you. You don't have to see him with physical eyes. You see him by faith. You, you see him at work. You experience his presence. You experience his power right now in this very moment. You, you're hearing his voice speak to you right now. Does that make you hungry and thirsty? Like, man, I, I want this more than anything. Going to church is not like going on a QT run, friends. Coming to worship is not going like a QT run where you, you run in there and you get a soda and one of those dogs off the rollers, Blech, right? You're like, those are nasty, right? <laughs> actually, some of you actually like that. It's okay. But, it's, that, but that's, that's not what coming to worship is. That, that's not what coming to the presence It's not like, okay, I'm going to drop in and get a little snack and I can do a convenience store thing with God and then I can drop in and drop out. That is not what we're talking about when it comes to worship and yearning for God. Yearning for God is like a sit-down meal. You guys, haven't, you, like, you guys like being invited to dinner to someone's house? You like having someone over to your house? To, and when you have them come over for dinner, is it a McDonald's experience? Like, you know, they got the order, and then they get the food, and you just kind of boot them out, say, hey, listen, get out of here, right? No, no, you invite them over so you can hang out with them, right? You want to fellowship with them, man. You want to dine with them. You want to talk. You want to drink coffee afterwards, and then drink more coffee afterwards, and you just want to hang out on the couch. You want to talk to people. You want to get to know them. You want to laugh. You want to cry. You want to spend time with those people because you care about them. See, that's what yearning for God is. You want to spend time with Him. You long to be in His presence. You long to fellowship with Him. But yearning for God is is more than just drinking Him in, and it's more than getting a blessing from God. I mean, the last sermon series that we just ended, I talked a lot about experiencing the blessing and enjoying the blessing from God. But here, David does a flip-flop. He says, hey, it's not about me getting the blessing because I've already got the blessing. Now what I want to do is I want to bless you, God. He says in Psalm 63, verse 4, he says, so I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why do you say, wait a minute, hold on a second. Us? Blessing God? He don't have any needs. God doesn't have any needs, does he? Not really. He's got everything he needs, right? I mean, what can we give him that he doesn't already have? What David is saying, he uses this Hebrew word that means an adoration with our mouth and our, and our, and our body and our soul. In other words, he's saying, listen, I'm, I want to bless you. I want to adore you with my lips because my lips are going to express the deep love in my heart for you, O oh God. 
And God, not only that, I want to express my adoration for you with my body. So whether in my posture that I bend my my knees and I bow my head, or whether I raise my hands in praise, God, I want to adore you. I want to bless you. I heard this statement about 20 years ago, and it stuck with me. Here's what it says. And you can write this down. This isn't, this isn't a Steve Spradlin exclusive statement. This is somebody, I heard it from somebody else, okay? But it stuck with me. And here's what it says. What you love the most, you talk about the most. I can get around somebody, and within a half hour, I can find out what they love the most. Because that's what they're talking about. Maybe it's an object. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's, maybe it's family entertainment. Uh, maybe it's politics. It could be several different things. But typically, what they talk about the most, now I'm not just saying you just have one conversation, but typically when I get in multiple conversations with the same person, over time I can figure out what it is that they actually love the most. You know what Jesus said? He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now I have to confess to you. I'm a big sports fan. I think I told you this a couple weeks ago. You know, I'm in, in middle. I'm in the middle of fasting right now. I got a 40-day fast right now. I got a six-month fast. But there's a fast that the Lord told me to do this fall. Now you guys know that I'm. I am a, a football fan. I like football. I don't like playing it anymore because it hurts. But I like watching it. But God said, you're going to fast from NCAA and NFL football this fall. But I have found myself in the past, and you're going to ball games, or, and, I, and I like going to ball games. They're fun, right? I mean, we don't, we, you know, they're enjoyable. But I can find myself either at the ball game or I can find myself watching on television, and I can find myself raising my hands, so to speak. Like, you know, in victory, so to speak. I clap my hands because my team just made a great play. I'd stand up. or I, I would do it in front of the television, stand up and, and jump up and down because my team scored. Or what I would do is I would shout for joy because my team has won the game. Go Chiefs. <laughs> Sorry, you Niners fans. All right. This wasn't God's will. No, I'm, kidding, kidding. I'm, I'm kidding with you. Messing with you. But here, here's what I'm trying to say. Does not Jesus deserve at minimum the same praise? That we would raise our hands and shout a victory shout? That we would lift our voice and praise His holy name? Not just because He he encourages us and not just because He inspires us, but because He saved us. Because He saved our soul. Because He forgave us of our sins. That he whipped the devil. That's pretty exciting. You talk about an eternal game. He beat the devil, right? But here's the greatest thing is he rose from the dead. That ought to make you stir your heart like, oh, my goodness, he rose from the dead. Sometimes people ask, you know, why do people raise their hands and lift their voices when they worship? I'll tell you why. It's because they used to be blind, but now they see. They used to be deaf, but now they hear. They used to be lame, but now they walk. 
right? They used to be lost, but now they're found. They used to be dead in their trespasses and their sins, but now they've been made alive by Jesus. Amen. That is the reason why you can shout and how you can praise God. Amen. Because you man, because what God did for me and what He did for you. Let's bless Him. Yearning for God is more than blessing God, though. It's, and then we come to a close. It's, it's an all-day desire to connect with Him. Check this out, verse 6. This is powerful. He says, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. You get that? The last thing that was on David's mind before he went to bed was God. I want the last thing to think about before I turn my light off is to be God. Why did he have that meditation? I'll tell you why. It's because he meditated and yearned for God all day long. He meditated and yearned for God all day long. And, and so you say, well, pastor, why is it important to, to meditate on God at, at, when we go to bed? Why, why, why is that something? Because here, listen to me, typically the last thing that we meditate on is typically the first thing we think about when we wake up. Typically. Typically. And so he's saying, hey, I want to meditate on God. I love how Isaiah said it. He says, my soul yearns for you in the night. In the morning, my spirit longs for you. Friends, when we start our day yearning for God, and we continue that yearning and, and fostering that and, and desiring and seeking God throughout the day, almost always we'll end the day meditating on Him. And so we yearn for His presence daily, and it fills us with joy, and then we're able to share that joy and that praise and express that in our conversations and the places that we go, and we find that there's nothing that satisfies us like being in the presence of God moment by moment. And that's why I was trying to say earlier, telling my wife last week, I'm driving down the road, I said, man, I don't want to leave this moment. I want to stay in this moment. It's interesting, this coming Friday, there's a special day. Does anybody know what it is? Valentine's Day. Now, I don't want to get in an argument about the theological and you know, why it started, uh, you know, there was, it was, there was, there was, it was pretty crazy in the first service, man. It got kind of tumultuous about the start of Valentine's and all that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He didn't. We didn't have fun. Yeah. Because Jeff was right. He was right. But we won't talk about that right now because, you know, but anyway, but this week is Valentine's Day and, and, and what is Valentine's Day? It's a holiday that's been set aside for money, but no, I'm just kidding. No, it, it's a holiday that's been set aside and I, maybe the pure intentions are is to express our love for somebody else, Right? So for our spouse or maybe the person we're dating or engaged to, but somebody, we're expressing that love for that person. And so maybe, maybe this week you've already got plans with that special someone. But let me ask you this. What about today and tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday? I mean, think about it from a physical standpoint. I mean, the person that's special, that one day shouldn't be the only day that we love them, right? It should be every single day, right? I want you to think about this with God. It isn't just Sunday that you show up because you love God. It isn't just Sunday that you come and you... It's every day. 
you know, you yearn to be with God on one day. No, you yearn to be with God every day. You know what happens when you come and you taste of the Lord? You taste of the Lord, you see that He's good. You taste of the Lord, and you're like, man, I don't want to leave this moment. You ever been so thirsty that you came from out, maybe outside working, or maybe you went on a walk, and you came back in, and you grabbed a glass, and you, and you got some water from the faucet, the RO, not the, not the regular stuff, you know? But you got the RO, right, and, you, and you, you pour it in there, and you take it, you just knock it down. You're like, man, and then you, you got to do another one. Right, and you knock it down, and you, you have to get another one. And you just don't you don't want to leave that moment. The last verse, David says, "My soul clings to you, God. I yearn for you. My soul is thirsty for you, and God, I'm drinking of you, and you're the only one that satisfies me. And God, I want to hold on to you. I don't want to let go." Next week, we're going to be talking about clinging to God. We're going to be talking about experiencing the yoke and how we connect with God and we stay in that moment and experience Him in an intimate way on an ongoing basis. You know, I've asked everyone to start praying personally and, uh, you know, to fast and those things. But, you know, on Wednesday night, when we had 30 people at the prayer thing last Wednesday night, man, are you talking about being stoked. We're walking down the building. I said, man, I can't wait till next Wednesday. And so we do that corporately. We're yearning for God personally, but we're also yearning for God, friends, together as a family, together. Amen? So let's do that. But starting today, say, man, I want to yearn for God. My soul thirsts for God. Let me ask you, as we were sitting here, maybe, maybe your heart saying, man, God has showed you what you've been thirsting for. God's shown you what you've been chasing. You know, what you love the most is what you talk about the most. Do you talk about Him more than anything? If you don't, it could be an exposure that maybe that your love is not in the right place. Maybe, maybe you've loved other things more than you've loved God. God says, hey, I love you. I pursued you. I chased you. I found you where you're at. And I brought you into an intimate, eternal relationship with me. Guys, I don't know about you, but there's been many times when I've strayed away from that. I've kind of kind of drifted off, and, and other things have caught my attention. But man, I want my heart and my eyes and my ears to be so attentive to God that I'm just constantly walking in His presence, experiencing Him, and pursuing His love and His life. Let's all do that together. Amen? Father, we love you. We love you more than life. You are life. And today, Father, Lord, I just pray for everyone that's in this room. Lord, I, I don't know what they yearn for. And Lord, this is not a, a message of condemnation, but this is a message of encouragement. But Lord, that you want us. You desire us. You, the Bible says that your love is jealous for us. So Father, I pray that our love would be jealous for you that we would be crazy about you, that we would crave you more than anything in our life. And that, God, as we do that, we'll find, just like the woman at the well, that, Lord, that we'll find the living water fully satisfies. Father, today I pray, Lord, that our greatest thirst would be Jesus above all things and that we'll experience that fulfillment and satisfaction that our heart and our soul so longs for. 
We praise you, Lord. Lord, just help prepare us this week as we move into next Sunday and we talk about clinging to you and, uh, and, and yoking up with you. And Lord, that we'll find that we can stay in that moment, God. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Momentum Life podcast. To find out more about Momentum Church, visit MomentumChurchAZ.com.